0: Welcome to another episode of Slow Conversations with Fields and Ferns. We are your hosts, Alicia and Ancilla, and together we run the sustainable fashion brand Fields and Ferns here in London. In an attempt to spread environmental positivity and in a way, selfishly learn more about ways in which we can practice sustainable living, we inspire inspiring individuals from all over the world to talk to us who implement sustainability into their businesses to leverage change and make a positive impact on the environment. On this week's episode, we are interviewing Kayla O'Connell, one of the co-founders of Nikki, which is a sustainable organic underwear brand based out of New York City. Nikki has streamlined its supply chain in order to conserve more natural resources and prevent further destruction of the environment. You can buy some of their Earth-friendly underwear on their site, Nikki.com And yes, UK shoppers, they do have international shipping. Thank you so much for being in the podcast, Kayla, and welcome to Slow Conversations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Slow Conversations with Fields and Ferns. Today, we are joined by the lovely Kayla. She is the CEO of Nikki. Hi, Kayla.
1: How are you doing?
0: Good. How are you doing today? Thank
2: you so much both for having me.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining in all the way from New York City. For those of you that don't know, Nikki is a sustainable underwear brand based in New York City. They have a fabulous upcycling program that we'll learn more about later on in the episode. But yeah, Kayla, thank you so much for being on. You and I have talked in the past, but we talked more about the upcycling side of your business. So I'm really excited to just learn more about the business as a whole today. And I was wondering if, just to start us off, if you could give us an overview of how and why Nikki started.
2: Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. We started Nikki in 2017, and it was really driven out of, you know, a frustration with the garment industry and the apparel industry more broadly, and really recognizing the detriment that the fashion industry has on our natural resources. I met my co-founder, Lauren, in graduate school at Parsons, the new school for design, and we were both in the fashion studies program there. I focused my thesis research on sustainability in the supply chain and really thinking about circular systems and basing it off of the cradle-to-cradle methodology. And that was sort of born out of, you know, I'd been working in apparel on both the production and sales and retail side, and having seen sort of the you know, magnitude of of textile waste that we were creating and contributing to both on as a producer and then also, you know, just as a a buyer and also as a consumer. And so, you know, I thought there has to be a better way to educate people on the provenance of their clothing and the impacts that individuals have when they're making their shopping choices. And at the time I think sustainability was really situated in sort of this, you know, niche, slow fast, fashion as the anti-consumption model. And it was very much founded in don't buy anything and that will solve the problem, which is relevant. And there is obviously a case for that and a place for that certainly. But, you know, one of the things that I really found in my research and was part of my thesis is we need to change this system from the outside in and fix it and really address it more holistically and move it in a better direction and therefore, you know, end up with a solution, you know, be a part of the solution rather than just sort of abstaining from participating in the system. And so, you know, we thought, why not just make a better garment from the outset? And I think a lot of that has to do with customer education and really redefining people's relationship with their garments. Similarly, sustainable fashion was very much situated in, I think, a novelty space where, you know, fashion is inherently ephemeral. We are trained to, you know, sort of think about, the newest styles and the newest prints and what's new for spring. And, you know, you kind of want to get the new blouse every season, et cetera. And so thinking about how to redefine our relationship with that kind of industry can be very daunting and, and frankly, you know, antithetical to how it works. And so, you know, we thought what better way than to do it with a foundational garment, a basics that is high frequency in terms of wear, but also, you know, purchase. People need underwear. They're not thinking about the latest style in undies every season necessarily. And we thought, you know, it's a real direct impact every day at the beginning of your day. You can really redefine the conversation by starting with a better garment every morning. And so that is sort of, you know, the long story to how we started Nikki and why we chose undies. And then also there's a lot of implication around, you know, just our experience as a, an individual and the body's relationship to clothing and a lot of the materials that are out there that aren't so great to be exposed to your skin or your vital organs. And so, you know, we have led with this story of choosing organic cotton is better for your body because it's not made with all of these harsh chemicals. There are no pesticides in the growth process. And the wet processing is, is the cleanest and safest it can be because it's certified to these standards and value add. It's also better for the environment and better for the people who
0: produce it. And so, yeah, that's, that's how we started Nikki. So nice. That's really inspiring. But we were wondering, when did you actually develop your love for sustainability? Did it come to you from when you were a young age or did you learn about it when you were in university? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that for many people,
2: I came to sustainability in a different sort of lens and through the context of really loving fashion and always wanting to work in the industry and navigating very different parts of it. I interned in design and worked in product development for a while. I worked on the sales side. I worked in women's clothing boutique for a long time. I've done buying and merchandising. I've even styled runway and photo shoots. And I always have been, you know, enamored by just the aesthetic and the way that it can really be a relationship to an individual and be a manifestation of your personality and expression and art form. But in the process, I became sort of disenchanted by it. I had a personal crisis because I recognized how harmful this industry that I loved was to the environment and also to the people who work in it on every level. You know, I mean, on a factory level, it was obviously the exposure of trade standards and and slave labor and forced labor and child labor over the past you know decades was very eye opening and that was really coming to the forefront when i was starting out my career and then also just understanding the magnitude of the chemical resources and the implications on the environment and the pollution and the water damage and how that's affecting local communities and impacting, you know, these smaller communities that are really dependent on that trade industry. And, you know, I, I felt I had a personal crisis. I, I got depressed about it. I was very, <laughs> you know, navigating my graduate degree and, and really having an issue with loving something and then also finding that to be problematic. And so I had to find a solution, frankly, for my own well being. I think, and mm-hmm. really to feel good about participating in it and, you know, trying to find a solution because I think that the solutions are very much within our grasp. We just have to make the changes and commit to them as companies and as people who work in fact. Yeah.
1: I, I can totally relate to that. I think, you know, I've always wanted to do fashion, but I, I'm also a huge environmental advocate. And so I could never participate in the fashion industry unless I knew I was doing something to help improve it and make it more sustainable. So I totally relate to loving it so much, but not being able to kind of give myself permission unless I did something positive. Yeah, I totally agree. And
0: then I think it's refreshing to see a new wave of designers coming in, being more mindful about the way that they design their clothes, the way they manufacture it and it was, as you said, a couple years ago, a very niche and it's also something that was coined as anti-consumption but now it's more about rebuilding that relationship and learning about it And and
1: shopping sustainably
0: Yeah, and that's interesting We were thinking, was it hard for you to incorporate that sustainability mindset into when you were designing your clothes? How did you get inspired how did you learn about it? Do you have any tips for other designers out there?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I was very fortunate in that I came from a product development background and had really, when I, actually, when I finished my graduate degree, I had a really hard time finding a job. Frankly, it was just not really a language that I think anybody spoke at the time. And, you know, I was sort of interviewing for roles that actually all of a sudden they were like, oh, it sounds like you're interested in PR. And I was like, no, you know, the CSR, I guess, but I really want to marry, you know, your front facing goals and your SDGs to your actual product design. And they were like, huh, uh, I don't know about that. So, you know, it was very difficult to just navigate. And I really enjoyed what I was doing at the time. I actually took a job at an environmental nonprofit where we were aggregating the world's largest businesses, environmental data and putting that into a valuation tool for their investors to make a business case, frankly, for sustainable action and justify it as also financially sustainable. And that was super cool, but I wanted to be on the other side of the conversation, right? So mm-hmm. I found a job managing a brand that was actually situated in the natural market, as it was called for a long time, making eco-friendly home goods. And I was originally brought on to launch their apparel division. We were acquired after. After a few months of me being there and did, you know, a, a real pivot to the brand strategy and just focused it on the home goods and, and personal care and sort of all of these different categories, but they were in mass market and we made organic cotton bedding and we made rugs out of recycled plastic bottles and we made more friendly and, and safe personal care and candles and It it became a very fun exploration into all of these different product categories and different materialities and ways to sort of paint a different picture with each product of how can you be the most sustainable within this specific category. And one thing that I found is that there's no right answer, right? There's no most sustainable option necessarily because everything has a trade-off and everything ultimately has an impact. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. And so navigating that space and just learning about the differences between, you know, bamboo and organic cotton as a sustainable fiber and and what the positives and the negatives are of both was really formative for me. And after a few years there and and really sort of meeting all of our KPIs, we we brought um, some really successful products to the mass market with Macy's and Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom and... Bed Bath & Beyond and you know I think I, I really just missed apparel and I wanted to get back to that and get back to my my personal mission of wanting to change the apparel industry and move it toward more sustainable production practices and so I just took the leap into entrepreneurship and you know started with what i had learned on the job frankly and just started making connections and starting with you know a base a base garment you know we have sort of a motto that we don't want to boil the ocean we just want to do one thing really well and mm-hmm. so honing in on one garment i think was a really key for us and remains that way and then thinking about okay th- this is a basic this is your undies that you put this on every morning what should it be you know the softest material barely there feel super breathable and best for your body. Okay. Well that eliminates synthetics right out of the gate. Right. So we're not going to make a recycled, you know, poly garment necessarily. We're going to go for a natural fiber. And, you know, then that narrowed in our material selection to really going for a natural fiber and then choosing organic cotton, just because I think that the environmental impacts have the least out of all of the other alternatives. Mm -hmm. And that really just comes with research. You know, I think I would say to any prospective designers who are looking into making a sustainable garment to really do your homework. I think there is a lot of greenwashing out there and it, it can only do harm to your brand if you don't know what you're talking about with respect to these claims and particularly calling something sustainable. I actually truthfully hate the word sustainable because I feel like it's completely bereft of meaning now. It doesn't mean anything. It's so nebulous. It's a little bit wishy-washy. And so I would challenge them to make more pointed claims and explain what it is that they're saying is sustainable.
0: Yeah, I think it's so interesting because for a really long time when I was trying to learn as well about sustainability and what I can do to become a more sustainable person, I never really thought about my undergarments for a long time. Like mm-hmm. I started out with the food that I was eating and then start going about not buying fast fashion, but it never occurred to me about my actual undergarment. And yeah. I think it's so interesting because that's actually something that is so close to us and to our body yeah. and something that you know is held there to protect our intimate um parts exactly. of our body exactly yeah, yeah i think it's such a good idea as a reminder actually every day to take care of yourself yeah and
1: the earth at the same time mm-hmm. yeah Different. I I think one of the ways in which Nikki really supports the circular economy is through its upcycling program in which you turned old undergarments into insulation. So how has it been so far? and could you just talk a little bit more about this program?
2: Yeah, of course. So you know going back to sort of my thesis research and trying to deal with this epic issue that a lot of people don't know about and don't talk about actually in the context of sustainable fashion is textile waste. And you know we're concerned about all of our plastic going to landfill. Well more than 60% of our clothing is made of plastic and is also going to landfill. And unfortunately, even the secondary markets, those you know resale programs and charitable programs, a lot of the distribution actually gets thrown out. About 80% of what we donate actually goes straight to the trash, even through the amazing nonprofits that collect those items for resale. So it's a very unfortunate thing. And I don't think that we have a lot of transparency to it as consumers. And so we really wanted to redefine that life cycle again going back to the circularity of a garment and fix this problem particularly in intimates because you actually can't really donate intimates goodwill will not accept them right now in in the united states donate them for textile recycling more directly they have to be aggregated on mass and in you know the tonnage. And so we decided, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to A, clean out everyone's top drawer because I know that there are, you know, several pairs of undies that people have had for way too long collecting dust (laughs) in the back. We want to get them good, clean underwear that is non-toxic and you know hygienic as well. And there's an opportunity there to take it back from our customers and dispose of it responsibly. Mm -hmm. And so we aggregate it and we, you know, when we first launched it we weren't really sure how it was going to land just because basically we're saying everyone send us your old undies and we'll get rid of them but frankly it you know out of the gate people were so pleased to have a solution. And what's been a really interesting finding for us is that it's actually for many people, their first introduction to Nikki. Mm -hmm. And it's become an incredible customer acquisition tool for us because people are just so thrilled to have a way to get rid of these old worn out clothes and feel good about it because they know that it's going into a secondary use. So yeah, so literally anyone can go onto our website and request a prepaid recycling label, print it right out there, pop it in the mail and we check it in. The second that you receive an email from us, you can redeem that for a free pair with your next purchase. So we're really trying to incentivize people as well to think about disposing responsibly of their garments. And so once it gets to us, we check it in, we aggregate it into thousands and thousands of pounds of old undies, and then that gets handed off to our partner and shredded up. It doesn't actually go through the sorting process, because which is a normal component of re- of textile recycling because we know that it goes straight to the shredding component and it gets made into a fiber pulp, into shoddy, and then it gets created into an insulation that you might see in construction in the walls of a, of a building. There's also uses for it in the interior of furniture, the padding underneath industrial rugs, mm-hmm. and then you know for bigger garments there's an opportunity for industrial rags, but I think that would be more more reserved for bedding and and larger garments that cover more yardage. So that's our recycling program. And anyone can go online and watch the video on our website as well to see the process in action.
1: I think it's such a brilliant idea, and I think any upcycling program with clothing really asks the consumer to take responsibility for their waste and be an active participant in the solution. And I think the fact that you have you incentivize with a fabulous pair of underwear is also just probably really helps encourage customer participation, right? Certainly, yes.
0: I mean even when we're talking about this at the moment my head just goes through this 23 years of my life how many pairs of underwear <laughs> have I pile them up it's just one person yeah something that's so it's just I never I never really thought about it yeah and it's such a exciting thing to know that now there's these upcycling programs for forgotten materials like your underwear. yeah Well, have you found there aren't really any
1: other brands doing this sort of things with underwear? I mean, normally the underwear just does end up in the trash because there really is no other place to do it.
0: Also, I think there's this this notion of shame around your underwear. I think for me, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you find that a challenge with a lot of your consumers but sometimes i'm ashamed to maybe send it off i'm thinking oh it's been used it's something that's been through a lot, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> i feel is it even worthy mm. like do you ever face that kind of response from these customers it's,
2: it's a great question i think that that was our quandary i guess than the unknown when we launched the program because of that exact sentiment but I would say that the adoption of and use of this program has far exceeded our expectations. So it actually has not presented an issue. If it's any consolation, like no one really sees it. It's not. <laughs> it's not something that you know we we engage with. It just gets. Bucketed into very large bags and bats of mass textile waste, so but I, I totally understand that sentiment, and i think I think it speaks actually to just a larger conversation around shame and intimates and it being so private and we 're really trying to break down those barriers in in our industry and Also redefine what intimate apparel, how it's presented in media and redefine Mm -hmm. how you as an individual engage with it. Like I take joy in putting on my undies every day now. And it was not something I thought about at all and actually found to be very frustrating for a long time in my life. So, mm-hmm. you know, discomfort and, you know, visible panty lines and all of these things. I think the conversation's really changing around intimates.
1: Is this program available globally? Like can we in the UK participate or is this something that's just available in the US at the moment? So right now
2: it's currently in the United States, but we have had so much interest from our international customers. You know, we, we've done small pop-ups in Canada and North America to partner with local people in Canada to do more of a larger aggregation and like a drive almost mm-hmm. because it's so costly to ship and the carbon emissions sort of outweighing the good that we're doing there. It's not something that we have pursued in terms of our US program, but we are definitely looking into creating local hubs in Canada and also the UK and potentially the EU, because it is such a, you know, I think, especially in the EU and the UK, generally, you guys are way ahead of America in terms of these concepts and practices. And so we would hope that there would be opportunity for us to really hit the ground running there and potentially have municipal support and make real impacts locally as well. Yep.
1: So good. Such a good idea. I really hope it does come over here.
0: really is such an inspiring new idea. Mm -hmm. And I think the key takeaway from this conversation that we have with you is start from the basics. Mm -hmm. Start from something that is close to you because waste is everywhere, really. Mm -hmm. There are waste everywhere and you need to have an open-minded perspective and try to look for it and try to find little solutions, starting small, starting from something close to you. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Totally 100%, 100%. And I think that's one of the
2: biggest key missions for us at Nikki is to make this so easy for you Mm -hmm. as a customer, we try to make it affordable so that it's just as affordable and competitive to what you would normally buy in terms of your undergarments. And then also make it really easy. You know, we have really fast shipping and convenient for you to access and then also when you're done and and ready to dispose of them you can do it without thinking about it too much we really want to make this easy and to make just the more sustainable choice accessible Mm -hmm. for you on a daily basis Mm
0: -hmm. so i really do love that concept when researching about nikki i just feel close and it really does shine how accessible it is how you're trying to make it available for everyone super inclusive super inclusive and I think a lot of people when I was interviewing for my dissertation as well a lot of people who wants to change their fashion consumption to be more sustainable they find that a lot of the brands out there are inaccessible both in pricing but also it looks like they want to be exclusive do you know yeah do you get that yeah Um, Sometimes it becomes a fad in which then they would make it such an exclusive product, and it just sometimes hinders a lot of people from growing into that step.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 100%. And I would say, even beyond just price sensitivity, because that is such a big thing, but also just when you start to understand your impact as an individual beyond just consumption, it is so overwhelming to situate yourself into a sustainable lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, everything I do is bad. And it becomes very overwhelming, I think, to think about making these changes in your life. And if you can just do it easily with a pair of undies, and that is a better decision than you might've made a week ago, that Mm -hmm. is a win. And mm-hmm. I think these small wins that have better impacts, that is what makes change over time and a larger movement over mm-hmm. time. We really just want to encourage that and be part of it and help people on their own journey in sustainable lifestyles.
1: Mm-hmm. I, just going off of that, I think our final question for you is, do you have any tips and tricks for people who are trying to lead a more sustainable lifestyle? Like what would you suggest to them?
2: Yeah. I mean, sort of building on that because it can be so overwhelming. Don't try to change everything in your life at once that it's just, you will fail and it will, it will be a terrible experience. You know, just try to make small changes where you can. And it should be something that becomes habitual and not disruptive to your life. Mm -hmm. You know, I started personally, I started composting in New York city, which was a real challenge. And I, you know, I, I bought a composter, I had it on the counter and I, that was my first step. And then I found a local pickup zone or drop-off zone and I brought it twice a week. And the days that it got too full, I put it in the freezer and it just started, you know, my husband adjusted to that. And we started to think about our food waste differently. And now that's totally normal. Now we can't Mm -hmm. think about not
0: composting.
2: So it's, making decide on one thing, decide on one thing that you want to change and make that adjustment and then just normalize it. And then layer onto that when you feel like you don't even notice it anymore.
1: Yeah. I think that is brilliant advice. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank Kayla, thank you so much for joining in. It really is such a an inspiring brand, and I think super accessible to all women out there. And next time I'm in the States visiting home, I'm definitely going to purchase a pair of your underwear. Thank you. <laughs> and- well, we do ship internationally. So. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, then we'll <laughs> order some. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, we appreciate it. And thank you both so much for your time. I have really enjoyed chatting with you.
1: Thank you so much. I hope you take care.